Happy Mother's Day, all you mothers out there. Welcome to Southwoods. We're so glad that you guys are tuning in with us today. We just have a few announcements for you. Um, you should have gotten an email with our phase back in plan. If you haven't gotten that so you kind of know how we're phasing everybody back into church, um, check out the website, email us, call the church, and we can let you know more about that. We also still have signs. If you want to put some signs in your yard, you're welcome to drop by and come get them and put them in your yard so people know that we're all in this together. We continue to have ways to give. You're welcome to come drop off anything at the church. You can give online, um, or you can just mail something in. And we just appreciate all everyone's giving to church. There's so many good things that this church does um, with everything that comes in. Um, It supports so many people. Um, And we just want to remind you to get some communion. We're going to be taking communion later, so maybe prepare that really quickly before we jump into worship. Um, I just encourage you again, turn up up your volume so that you can really get into the presence of God. We want to invite him in to this place. We want to invite him into wherever you are. We're all in this together. We're with you, and he is with us. So let's just worship him together.
we're so glad uh, you're here, and uh, I just want to have you turn to somebody else and greet them, even in your own house, for yourself. You can high-five yourself right there, give that, and uh, you'll be getting a greeting from the church as well.
Again, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning, and we hope that that is your anthem today, that you are not feeling afraid. Um, we're getting ready to take communion, and we've been singing a lot of songs this morning about um, what it feels to be released from shame. And I think um, I'm a therapist, and when I teach kids the difference between guilt and shame, guilt is feeling bad about something that you did, um, and shame is feeling bad about who you are. And so I think shame a lot of times is an identity issue for us, and we want to be able to sing about who God says that we are. So I've got some Bible verses for us, and I just want to read those to you, and then we're going to sing this song. Um, this is an expert excerpt out of John Reinhardt's What God Thinks About You. It says, You are no longer in darkness, but light in my son. Walk as children of the light. Ephesians 5.8 You are the light of the world. A city on a hill. Matthew 5.14 I have called you. 2 Peter 1.3 I have chosen you. Revelation 17.14 You are now a saint, a servant, a steward, and a soldier. You are a witness and a worker. Through Jesus, you are victorious. You have a glorious future. You are a citizen of heaven, and you are an ambassador for my son. So we're getting ready to, to just remember what Jesus did for us and how he called us his, how we became children of God, is that he gave this sacrifice for us. So let's sing this song together. We're going to sing about who God says that we are, and then just take some time to be in his presence. Thank you. 
pray over us. Father, God, we're so grateful for this time. Father, even though this has been hard, God, that we know that we don't have to be afraid because of who you are. God, that we don't have to have everything in control because we can just trust you. And God, I know that that's so difficult. God, help us trust you more and to know that our identity comes from you. God, that you're the one who speaks to us about who we are, Father. Bless everyone who's hearing this, God. Draw them close to you. Father, be with us. Go about our week with us. And just help us to trust that you've got this. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, good morning, and once again, we want to say thank you for tuning in. We're so glad that you've done that this morning. Welcome to Southwoods Christian Church. My name is Lori Montague. We so wish that you could be here with us, and we look forward to the day when we can come back together. But in the meantime, we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. And especially today, I want to be one of the first to say, hopefully, Happy Mother's Day. So glad that you're tuning in with us this morning. You know, today we're asking the question, what is it that kids and families need most from a mom? It's one question, but it has a lot of answers because it depends on who you ask. I asked some of my friends earlier this week what they need most from a mom, and I heard a lot of different things. One of the kids said, I need a mom who helps me with my homework. And these days, that's a little bit more tricky now that we're doing school at home. Another said, I need someone that will make me a really wonderful meal, and she always does. I need one who will give me clean clothes and read a good story and tuck me in at night and just love me, play some fun games. I need a mom who listens, another older one said, and help me figure out what in the world am I supposed to do next with my life. And others said, what I need most in a mom is just love. And that's great because I've gotten lots and lots of love. You know, again and again, the responses to this question, what do kids need most in a mom, what do families need most in a mom, has to do with things that talk about moms loving, you know, unconditionally or listening regularly, or a mom who's available, consistent, faithful, patient. These are the words I've heard. A mom who provides clear limits, boundaries, guidance, you know, even some discipline along the way. And all of them always say, I need a mom who encourages and supports and trusts and believes in me. It's one question, what do kids and families need most in a mom? And it has so many answers. But what if today, instead of just asking all of our own children and other friends and family members what kids need most, what if today we asked one of the Bible people, what does, do moms need most? What do kids need most in a mom? And so today what I'd like for us to do is turn in our Bibles to one of the most famous Bible mothers in the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 2 is where we're going to start because I believe when we look at the life of Hannah, we can get a glimpse of what kids and families need most in a mom. So if you have your Bibles, let's tune in or you can just follow along on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 2. The Bible says, Elkanah, that's a gentleman, had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. And each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. And on the days when Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. And each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah, her husband, would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be so downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. <laughs> Isn't that better than having 10 sons? So the story begins with a very interesting family dynamic. One woman, Penina, had many sons and daughters and a very bad attitude. 
The other woman, Hannah, no sons, no daughters, and a very sensitive, tender heart. And then right in the middle is this husband, <laughs> trying to keep everybody happy. I mean, this is a real family. This is a family with real issues. And not only is having two wives a bad idea, let's just talk about that, but the tension in this home is thickened because we have this big issue. We have this very big issue of infertility. And now I know that many of you who are listening today have struggled with infertility. And I know that that's been a very painful journey. And I also know that Mother's Day can be a really rough weekend for you. And so I just wanna say right now, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. And I guess my hope is that as you hear Hannah's story, a real life woman who struggled with a real life problem, I hope that maybe you'll find some comfort as you see God intervening in her life, God providing hope, and God providing healing. So let's continue in our text here with verse 9 as we pick up the story of Hannah. The Bible says this, Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. The Bible says Eli the priest was there, sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish and crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my, my sorrow and you will answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded, throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. And do you know what happened? The God of Israel, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, he did just that. Look at verse 19. And the Lord remembered Hannah's plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. You know, after reading these verses and getting to this point in the story, I always just kind of want to wrap it up. I always just want to wrap it up and say, what a great Old Testament story for Mother's Day. Isn't it amazing? I always want to say, what a powerful testimony to God's intervention in the life of this woman who was praying to him. I always want to say, what a reminder. What a reminder to me that prayer works in our lives. And you know, all of those things are true. Every single one of those things is true, but that's not the end of the story. You know, as a little girl growing up, I remember one of the very first times that I actually really heard this story. I was in Sunday school and I was listening carefully as our teacher told the story. And when it got to this part where Hannah had a baby, I was so excited as a little girl. She had a baby. But I had listened very carefully. And so I kept remembering that one part of the story. Did you hear it? I bet you did. Look at it again. It's there in verse 11. Hannah said... Oh Lord, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. 
Have you ever made one of those prayers? You know what I'm talking about. We sometimes call it a prayer with a promise. You know, God, if you will come through for me, you know, just, just this one time, Lord, if you'll come through for us and for our family, then I'll do this and I'll do that and, and things will be different in my life. We sometimes call it an emergency room prayer. I've made these kind of prayers, a prayer with a promise. And I imagine that some of you have too. Truth is, we're actually in good company because Hannah, one of the Bible women, whose story is recorded for all of us to continue to read forever, also made one of those prayers. Let's keep reading to see what happens in the life of both Hannah and Samuel. Pick it up with verse 24. The Bible says, when the child was weaned, Hannah, in fact, took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. Sir, she said, do you remember me? I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord, and I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request, and now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. You know, I find it so interesting that if you keep reading Hannah's story, if you keep reading the book of 1 Samuel, you know that Hannah did bring her son to the tabernacle. She did allow him to be involved in full-time ministry, but she stayed involved in Samuel's life. And God also stayed very involved in Samuel's life. Samuel went on to be a prophet. He was among the priests there at the tabernacle. God even chose him to be the one to anoint the very first king of Israel. Samuel's life is amazing, and we could talk a lot about that. But today, we're talking about Hannah and what kids need most in a mom. I love her story because I think it gives us a glimpse of what kids and families need most. And one of those first glimpses is this. I believe that Hannah saw her son Samuel as a gift from God. Look again at what she said in verse 27. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he granted my request. I mean, from the very beginning, Hannah knew that Samuel's life was a gift from God. This is why Hannah was able, I think, to keep her promise. Think about it. From her perspective, she asked God for Samuel. God faithfully responded. And so she faithfully kept her promise. It's a beautiful story. And if you keep reading, like I said earlier, just in chapter 2, which would be a great chapter to read this afternoon on Mother's Day, you see that Hannah offers this amazing prayer of dedication for her son. And her prayer is not so much about giving her son up, as we might be thinking, but her prayer was really about giving her son back. Because from the very beginning, she knew that he was a gift. And so it was easy for her to give him back to the gift giver. Hannah saw her son as a gift from God. Now, what about us? How do we see our kids? You know, that sweet, tiny little newborn that's just so cute and learning to eat and do all those wonderful things. How do you feel about that newborn in the middle of the night? You know, when they wake you up and interrupt your, sweet, your sleep? That sweet one is still, and of course, a gift from God. What about those energetic and curious toddlers and preschoolers? They, too, are a gift from God. How about those elementary kids who are at home now? They're not at school. They're at home now. They're full of life. They have ideas, activities. They, too, are gifts from God. How about those teenagers? You know, the ones who are so interesting but sometimes challenging. 
They challenge our authority. They walk closely to every boundary that we set. They keep us awake as well as we pray for them in the nighttime. They too are gifts from God. And even those young adults, those young adults who leave our homes, they seek adventure, they sometimes make choices that are different, different than the choices we would have made for them. They begin raising families of their own. They too and always will be gifts from God. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that sometimes the gift doesn't, you know, talk back. The gift sometimes will argue. The gift will complain, and the gift can be very difficult to nurture and train. I've even had those days when I've wondered, can we return the gift? <laughs> but that's not a good thing to say on Mother's Day. We'll not talk about that today. That's for another time. I think that Hannah's life gives us an excellent reminder of this idea that children are a gift from the Lord. Secondly, Hannah's life also gives us a glimpse of a woman who had a growing relationship with the gift giver. Not only did she acknowledge that the gift of her son came from God, but she had this amazing relationship with the gift giver. I mean, think back to the beginning of our story. Hannah had a very disappointing life. She expected to be a mom. She was hoping to be a mom. She had a husband with another wife who was taunting her and teasing her. And she had a very bad attitude, regularly bringing up the fact that she was struggling with infertility. And I think we all could agree that Hannah really probably had a very good reason, really, to become a very bitter woman. And we all would have probably understood that. But I find it so fascinating that we don't see her doing that. We don't see her hating the world and hurting everybody around her. We don't see her you know, turning to alcohol to cope. Eli thought maybe she had, but she hadn't. We don't see her blaming her husband for the situation that they're in. We don't see her blaming her God. Instead, what do we see? We see her coming to God. We see her confiding in God with her innermost thoughts and feelings and sorrows. We see her trusting him to hear these things. And we see her waiting, waiting on this God to heal. Which always makes me ask the question about my own life and maybe perhaps yours as well. You know, when we're in the midst of these difficult times, and again, we are in the midst of a very difficult time. This is a global pandemic, unprecedented. It's a difficult time in our world. It's a difficult time in your family. It's a difficult time in your life. But how do we respond in the midst of these difficult times? Do we say, you know, under these circumstances, I can't be expected to be very godly? Do we just buckle under the pressures of life? Or can we allow the circumstances of life, even these difficult circumstances, to sharpen us to change us, to shape us, to cause us to grow in our relationship with the Lord and to grow in our relationship with our family. You know, one of the benefits, if you can call it that, of this pandemic is this stay-at-home order. I've heard it again and again that families are saying, this has actually been good for our family because we're more together than ever. We're able to have family meals, I heard one mom say earlier this week. We're able to watch good things, you know, movies and read good books. We've even had family devotions, she said. We're growing, which makes me think, how are things in my home? How are things in your home? Are you growing? 
I mean, when it comes to this idea of growing spiritually, do your kids see you praying regularly? Not only with them at bedtime and at mealtime, but I mean in your own quiet time. Do they know that you have a quiet time with the Lord? Do they see you loving his word? Do they see you spending time in his word and living it out? Do they see your marriage growing sweeter as the years go by? And do they know that your relationship with Jesus and the relationship your family has with Jesus Christ comes first? First, ahead everything else. My question for us today, you know, as Hannah's story reminds us to be growing, growing in our relationship with God, are we growing? And finally, Hannah's story, I think, gives us a glimpse of a woman who was guiding. She was guiding her son toward God. Look again at verse 24. The Bible says, When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. Again, Hannah kept her promise. And when the time came, where did she take him? To the house of God. She kept her promise and she guided her son back to the gift giver. She guided him to the house of God. You know, several years ago, I read a true story that I often have shared. Many of you have probably heard it before, or maybe you've read it on your own. But I always like to share it when I have the opportunity on Mother's Day, because I just think it's such a perfect story for Mother's Day. The story is about a pilot, a pilot in Florida who had spent years constructing and fine-tuning and polishing this little antique prop plane. And one afternoon, it was the perfect day. The weather was just right. And he said, I'm going to take this cherished plane out for a flight. And after carefully positioning his plane on the runway, he went to the nose of the aircraft and he spun the propeller like you do. The engine sputtered for a few seconds and then it settled into that sweet idle. And he knew that all cylinders were firing. He was excited. He kicked the blocks out from under the tires. He was making his way around the plane to climb in and enjoy this wonderful flight when something unexpected happened. Suddenly, the aircraft bolted forward and proceeded down the runway. It quickly gained speed, and in a few moments, it was airborne. The pilot, however, just stood on the tarmac, <laughs> waving and watching his cherished plane the story says it circled overhead a few times, and then it headed out <laughs> over the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, what a story. In some ways, I love that story. In some ways, I really don't. Because kids, in a lot of ways, are, are kind of like cherished planes, aren't they? I mean, when they're in our homes, we love them. We care for them. We lay down a spiritual foundation for them. We provide for them. We do everything that we can to ensure that they're going to have a good flight. And then they grow up, and like that little plane that this guy had, we lovingly place them you know, toward the end of the runway. And we stand back, and we just watch, and we pray that we've done enough, you know, and that they will have a successful flight through life. You know, I'd be the first among us to say that parenting is not an easy flight. It can be turbulent. Greg and I, in our own home, have experienced some times of turbulence in our parenting journey. But I still believe, in spite of the turbulence, that God's principles for parenting are solid. They can be trusted. They are foundational. And they have this way of keeping our children both grounded and also helping them to soar through life. 
not only in everyday life, but in their spiritual life as well, to the glory of God. And so this morning, I'd like to ask myself and all of you as well, how are we doing? When it comes, towards, uh, comes to this idea of guiding our children toward God, are we doing our best to make their spiritual flight a successful one? Uh, have we given them, you know, like a well-tuned GPS system that's going to really help them, again, not just in life, but in their spiritual life as well? Are we taking advantage of the wonderful opportunities that this church provides for children and for students? And if you're listening in from another church, I know your church probably also provides wonderful opportunities. Don't miss those opportunities. Take advantage. And do you share along the way with your children your own faith-building stories? You know, those times when you've had some doubts or maybe when things have been a little tricky or difficult? Those stories actually help build the faith of our children. It helps them to know that they can trust God even and especially in the most difficult times. I hope that you're doing those things. And I think Hannah's life reminds us that we want to always be growing in our relationship with God. And so this morning, friends, as we wrap up, I again want to say happy Mother's Day. I hope that today is strangely one of the most memorable Mother's Day and one of the best ones for you. Happy Mother's Day. And for those who are listening in and you're, no, you're not moms and you're thinking this message really isn't for me, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. First, I want to ask you to endeavor to bless the children in the, your sphere of influence. You might have some nieces or some nephews. Maybe you have some neighbors. And you know what? There are some kids right here at this church, or probably the church that you attend. And one of the best things you could do would be to come alongside some of those families. Some of those kids feel like family, don't they? And we could come alongside them and help other families do these very principles that we've been talking about. And so let's commit together, whether we're parents or not, to be people who see children, all children, not just the ones who have our DNA, but all children as gifts from God. I mean, let's commit to being people who never, ever stop growing. I mean, I hope till the day I die that I'm getting better at doing life, that I'm getting better at following Jesus. Let's be people who commit to intentionally guiding children and, and really everyone that we come in contact with toward Jesus, pointing everyone we know into the direction of Jesus Christ which occurs to me that today might be a really good day. It might be a really good day for many of us to just recommit ourselves, not only to good parenting, but to commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, to recommit ourselves to Jesus Christ and to say, I want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Lord, today, Mother's Day, I'm recommitting myself to that. It also occurs to me that today might be the very best day for many of us who, for whatever reason, we've wandered. We've wandered far from God. We're just not as close. Maybe we've never been very close to God. And what a great day on Mother's Day to just kind of open up our heart, open up our hands, and say, Father in heaven, I've kind of made a mess of things. Would you rescue me? Would you come into my life? Would you rescue me? Would you redeem this time that I've wasted? Would you make it better, Lord? And would you restore to me 
everything that I know you want me to become. And would you do that through the person of Jesus Christ? Today would be a great day to do that. One of the things I love most about Hannah's story, in addition to the other things I've already shared, is that she followed through. She followed through. You know, I think often about her. She could have made the prayer, become pregnant, had the baby, and just raised him on her own. But she followed through. She brought him to the tabernacle, to the house of the Lord. And God did amazing things through the life of this child that belonged to him. Today I'd like to wrap up by uh, reading the final verses in this passage of scripture that we've been looking at. I don't know if you know it, but Samuel, this little boy that Hannah prayed for, this little boy who came back to the tabernacle, he actually wrote this book. He wrote this book of First and Second Samuel. And I love how he records the words of his own mom and the actions of his family. Look again with me, 1 Samuel chapter 1, the last verses 26 through 28. Samuel writes, and Hannah, my mom, said these words. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this child, and he has. He has given me my request. And now I am giving him to the Lord. He will belong to the Lord his whole life. And then Samuel says, and they worshiped the Lord there. Isn't it beautiful? The beautiful words of a son recording the actions of both his mother and his family. Today, friends, I would pray that on this Mother's Day, we, we would offer that kind of blessing over our children and that we would faithfully respond in worshiping God and thanking God for the people in our lives. So once again, happy Mother's Day. We do look forward to welcoming you back here to Southwoods where we can be together as a church family. But in the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for staying connected and praying for one another and looking out for one another. Would you bow together with me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity to gather today. We thank you for all the moms who are in our lives. We thank you, Father, so much for all the children that are in our lives some who are our children and some who are friends and nieces and nephews and neighbors. And today, Lord, we just thank you for this story that you've preserved in scripture for the amazing life of Hannah and the amazing life of her son, Samuel. And I pray, Lord, that these lessons might just resonate in our heart and that your Holy Spirit would come into each home represented today and that your Holy Spirit would continue to teach us, convict us, encourage us and strengthen us to not only be the moms that we want to be, but to be the parents and the dads and the people that we want to be. And Lord, for those who today may have for the first time said, I want Jesus to be in my life, Lord, would you hear their prayer? And for those of us who are recommitting ourselves to becoming fully devoted followers of yours, would you help us along in the journey? And Lord, would you just continue to guide us continue to lead us. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ. And we pray all of these things in his name. And everybody said, amen. Happy Mother's Day.